everyone. Welcome to the Natasha Crane podcast. Today we're talking about the He Gets Us campaign. Last year, I wrote an article called Seven Problems with the He Gets Us campaign, in which I critically responded to the $100 million advertising campaign that features a website, billboards in major cities, a book, and ads that have been viewed more than 300 million times. Perhaps most visibly, the campaign's ads were featured in last year's Super Bowl. So when thousands of people saw those ads on the Super Bowl, they went searching for more information about them. My article came up, thank you Google, and it went viral. It actually pulled down my site at one point because there was so much traffic. So clearly a lot of people are interested in knowing more about the nature of these ads. Well, fast forward to 2024 to today. Super Bowl Sunday is in a few days, and he gets us will once again be running ads that generate widespread curiosity. So given the reach of this campaign and the high interest level in it, I wanted to do an updated evaluation of what he gets us is doing today. So I wrote this up and I posted a very long article on my website about it. I think it is actually the longest article I have ever written in 12 years of writing on my website. So because of that, I realized not everyone is going to read it. Not a lot of people like to read things that are super long like that. And so I've decided to record the article as a podcast today. So those of you who are interested in this campaign and want to be prepared for all the discussions that are going to be coming up very soon can just listen and take in the information. So that's what this is. If you want a written version of it, either to send to friends or you would rather actually read this, then you can go to my site, natashacrane.com, go to blog and you'll see it there. Before I read it to you, though, I want to make a couple of announcements about our upcoming Unshaken conferences that I do with my friend Elisa Childers and Frank Turek. We are doing these conferences to equip and encourage the church to stand firm in a culture that is increasingly challenging. So our upcoming dates are these. March 9th, we're going to be in the Detroit area. Those tickets are already on sale. You can go to unshakenconference.com and you can read all about the conference and get your tickets there. Then on May 18th, we're going to be in the Pittsburgh area. And we just announced last week that we're having two dates in the fall. Those tickets are not available yet, but just so you can mark your calendars if you happen to be in these areas. On September 21st, we're going to be in Buffalo, New York. And on November 16th, we're going to be in Austin, Texas. Now, I want to say I know a lot of people have asked for us to come to Texas. Usually people are saying, come to Dallas or come to Houston, big urban areas. We are going to be in Austin, but I hope that you guys in Texas will be able to make an effort to get there because that is our only Texas date. So if you're in the Texas area and you want to come to Unshaken, then that's the one that you're going to want to mark down November 16th in Austin. Okay, so back to the article now. These are the four questions that I'm going to answer about the He Gets Us campaign. Number one, does the He Gets Us campaign get skeptics interested in Jesus? Number two, does the He Gets Us campaign get skeptics interested in the right Jesus? Number three, do the He Gets Us campaign Bible reading plans take people to the next level of understanding Jesus beyond the slick website and TV ads? And number four, does the He Gets Us campaign direct people to theologically solid churches for continuing their search for truth? There are three things that will inform my answers to these questions. First is my professional background in marketing. So I have an MBA in marketing and I'm a former adjunct marketing professor. Since this is a campaign aimed at quote unquote marketing Jesus, that background is particularly relevant. 
Second is my evaluation of the publicly available He Gets Us content, so the website and the version reading plans. I have not read the He Gets Us book that goes along with all that, so that's not part of what I'm responding to. And third is a recent interview campaign consultant Ed Stetzer did with Biola professors Scott Ray and Sean McDowell on Biola's Think Biblically podcast. Stetzer is the dean of Biola's Talbot School of Theology. While Stetzer says he is not a spokesman for the campaign, he has been closely involved, so his comments are helpful for an insider view of the goals and strategies. So number one, does the He Gets Us campaign get skeptics interested in Jesus? Stetzer says that the people who eventually started the campaign had become concerned, quote, that the perception of Christianity had suffered and people weren't necessarily considering who Jesus was, and they would like for people to consider who he was, who he is, end quote. They then brought in market researchers who found that skeptics were open to considering who Jesus was. I'd love to know more about that process and what they found, but no further information was noted in the interview. Well, Stetzer emphasized repeatedly in that interview that the very narrow goal of the campaign is to reach those skeptics. Ultimately, he gets us once to build a bridge from people seeing the ads to learning more by going to the website and then signing up for a Bible reading plan and or asking to be connected to a church. So in short, the goal is very specifically to get skeptics interested in Jesus. That's a very worthy goal, especially if you have millions of dollars to do it with. My first question is, does the campaign successfully meet that objective? While I don't know the statistics on how many people have visited the He Gets Us website as a result of the ads, Stetzer says that over 600,000 people have signed up for the reading plans and, quote unquote, hundreds of thousands have been referred to churches. So as a surface level answer to the question, it certainly seems reasonable to say that, yes, the campaign has generated interest. If the goal was to get people to one of those two action points, signing up for the Bible reading plan and or asking for a church referral, then marketers have achieved at least some success. Now, whether the numbers justify the money spent is a whole other question, and that's not something that I'm evaluating for my purposes here. Number two, does the He Gets His campaign get skeptics interested in the right Jesus? From a marketing perspective, there is a predictable funnel that people go through before taking action. For example, for making some kind of purchase, that would be considered an action. It starts with becoming aware of something, which then sometimes converts to interest, which then sometimes converts to desire for action, which then sometimes converts to action. Marketers know that if you want people to take action to get to the bottom of the funnel, you have to first take them through those stages, and those stages have to be tailored toward the action you want. In this case, if you're marketing in order to generate interest in Jesus, you want to be sure you're generating interest in the right Jesus, a correct portrayal, if you want that to lead to the action you desire. This is where I believe the campaign fails in a very serious way. As I said in last year's article, the Jesus of this campaign is nothing more than an inspiring human who relates to our problems and cares a whole lot about a culturally palatable version of social justice. The exception to this is in parts of the reading plan, which I will address in my next point. Now, this has not changed since I last wrote. My points then remain true now. I made these key four points last year. The fact that Jesus, quote unquote, gets us, stripped from the context of his identity, is meaningless. Jesus is presented as an example, not a savior. The campaign reinforces the problematic idea that Jesus' followers have Jesus all wrong. And the campaign reinforces what culture wants to believe about Jesus while leaving out what culture 
culture doesn't want to believe. So I'm not expanding on those points here because you can read my prior article for that analysis. I will put a link to that article from last year as well in the show notes. But I do want to say more this time about who the campaign is clearly targeting. Stetzer mentioned that it's skeptics, but a close evaluation or really not even so close evaluation of the campaign makes it clear it's not all skeptics they have in mind. This is crucial to understand. It's a very specific segment of skeptics. It's progressives who primarily view the world through a lens of social justice and specifically the critical theory model of social justice, which places everyone in oppressor-oppressed buckets. Now, if you've never immersed yourself in the world of this viewpoint, you might not recognize how laden the content is with language and framing design to appeal very specifically to this group. If they were targeting just any skeptic, you wouldn't see such a specific framing of Jesus in progressive terminology. There are plenty of skeptics who aren't beholden to progressive social justice thinking. For example, They use hashtags with words that have a specific connotation to a progressive audience, even if the campaign isn't necessarily using them in the same way. On the homepage, for example, you see hashtag inclusive, hashtag activist, hashtag struggle, hashtag refugee, hashtag justice, hashtag outrage, hashtag, this is like a tongue twister at this point, hashtag bias and hashtag judgment. They also frame their content in terms that are commonly used in progressive social critiques. For example, the words Religious leaders or religious people are often used with a negative connotation, which serves to reinforce the notion that it's bad to be, quote unquote, religious. That was never Jesus's claim, by the way. For clarification on this topic, if you're not sure what I mean, I'm going to put a link to my podcast with Elisa Childers on that in the show notes as well. There are recurring references to concepts like lived experience, power dynamics, oppression, racial conflict, toxic systems, corruption, and political conflict, all progressive focal points. Now, that's not to say that none of those things are actually problems, but rather that it's clear they're focusing on progressives, on progressives given their obvious focus on progressive concerns. Okay, so why is this a concern? I have no concern at all with choosing progressives as your target audience, but I have a lot of concern with the nature of the campaign given this target and what they are likely to take from it. Here are three key reasons why. First, the campaign will likely lead many progressives to conclude that they still like Jesus and still hate Christians. To be honest, I'm not very convinced that we even have a problem with Jesus's reputation and culture. People tend to like Jesus because they don't understand all that he taught. As far as the average person is concerned, Jesus was a loving guy who hated the system and can serve as a good moral example. And that's exactly how the He Gets Us website portrays him. However, people tend to have disdain for Christians when we present the fullness of what the Bible teaches, particularly on moral subjects. So if a progressive sees this content and never gets to a Bible reading plan or church connection, they've taken away that Jesus was the great guy they always thought he was and that all those Christians today who talk about things they don't like are still the problem. Second, The campaign will solidify the idea in progressives' minds that their social justice lens of the world is a lens through which Jesus sees it too. You know, it would be one thing if marketers used progressive language to present a full picture of Jesus. As a marketer, I get how that's done. But when you just use progressive language without presenting the full picture, it leaves the impression that their language, representing a whole underlying worldview structure built on critical theory, is correct. Those who don't get to the desired Bible or church action points will simply come away thinking that, yeah, Jesus was a social justice warrior, just like they are, with all that that implies to them. 
So is that really a big problem? Yes, yes, it is. It is a huge problem. It's this model of oppressed and oppressor thinking that leads progressives to claim the gender binary is oppressive, that white people are inherently racist, that abortion is a form of justice for women, that heterosexuality is an oppressive norm, and that we need to abolish the nuclear family. If this campaign even inadvertently suggests through a social justice veneer that this is the lens through which Jesus would have seen the world, that is a disastrous consequence. Third, the campaign can easily be construed to affirm theologically progressive Christianity. In my last two points, I was speaking specifically of progressives who don't identify as Christians. However, there are many who hold to the same social justice ideology and do identify as Christians. They're typically focused on a human Jesus who merely cares about a social gospel and they reject the authority of the Bible. These Christians would heartily affirm everything on the He Gets Us site. Given that the site portrays a fully human Jesus and at the same time claims to be presented by quote-unquote Christians, there's no reason to think someone wouldn't come away thinking they can be a Christian and not believe all the baggage about things like the Bible being God's word. It's worth noting this statement on the website, quote, He Gets Us is a diverse group of Jesus followers with a wide variety of faith journeys and lived experiences. Our work represents the input from Christians who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, as well as many others who, though not Christians, share a deep admiration for the man that Jesus was, and we are deeply inspired and curious to explore his story. End quote. It's pretty clear that theologically progressive Christians have been part of the team and a lot of people who aren't even Christians by their own identification. So my answer to the question, does the He Gets His campaign get skeptics interested in the right Jesus, is a resounding no. It's not just an incomplete picture of Jesus, it's an inaccurate one. And because it will just confirm what the target audience already thinks, many if not most will jump out of the marketing funnel before they get to the desire to learn more. If you don't challenge people's thinking, what would they need to learn more about? Number three, do the He Gets Us campaign reading plans take people to the next level of understanding Jesus beyond the slick website and TV ads? While I clearly have significant concerns about the people who imbibe ideas about Jesus and Christians from the He Gets Us web and TV content alone, never getting to the Bible or a church from this campaign, what about those who do actually get to the Bible reading plans? Are they designed well to take people to the next level of understanding, to an accurate one? There are seven plans on version, ranging from four to nine days of content. I read all 43 days of the plans. So if you're interested in the details, I'm going to walk through them now. If not, you can fast forward a little bit until I get to the bottom line on these. But because I want to document this well, I'm going to walk through them. So plan number one is a seven-day plan called He Gets Us. This plan continues the same model of using progressive language and framing. The devotionals make comments like these. Jesus' enemies feared him because he challenged the norm. So in progressive contexts, norms are typically seen as bad and needing to be overturned. Another example, quote, the way Jesus called out the toxic religious and political systems turned history upside down, end quote. Well, in progressive contexts, religion, especially Christianity, is toxic as are political systems, so this makes Jesus appear to favor that view. Another example, quote, Jesus made friends with people just as they are and let himself be known just as he was too, authentic, trustworthy, the kind of friend we all long for, end quote. 
Well, it's true that Jesus made friends with people as they are, but most progressives are likely to read this as Jesus accepts you for whoever you want to be, so be your authentic self. That's not what it says, but if you have cultural awareness of the claims and debates today, it's fairly obvious that something progressives would take from it without realizing the distinction between being friends with someone and approving of their identity or behavior. Another example, and again, this is all just from the first plan. Quote, the Samaritan stopped and cared for the Jew at his own expense, just like he would a neighbor, unlike the racist religious men who stepped over the beat up guy on their way to worship of all things. End quote. Again, this plays into the progressive hatred for the so-called religious. Yes, the men were religious, but that wasn't the problem. Jesus never scolded people for being too religious. He scolded them for being self-righteous and hypocritical. And one last example. Quote, yes, it's true. The one who stood bravely against the strongest, most corrupt system of the day was on his face in fear, end quote. And that's talking about Jesus just before his death. Yet again, this plays into the progressive view of systems being inherently corrupt. So in short, plan one is more of the same from the ad and web campaign. And far from redeeming the nature of that content, it simply doubles down on the equivocations and misunderstandings. What about plan two? It's called Diving Deeper. It's a seven-day plan. Sounds promising. I thought that given the title, this is where we would get deeper into a theologically accurate portrayal and reading of Jesus, but that's not what I found. This one had fewer problematic statements than plan one, but the content overall gets no closer to teaching people about the true Jesus while continuing with occasional progressive framing along the way, like casting Jesus's infant trip to Egypt as a refugee situation. On day one, it says... Quote, the best way to discover his actual purpose, regardless of the centuries between us, is to look at his life. Sure, plenty of books have been written about what he taught, but let's look at the private side, the side you see when you walk with someone side by side down a new road. End quote. Well, the subsequent days go on to have subjects like he grieves with us, he understands us, he's vulnerable like us, he loves us, he faced hardship like us, and he is for us. Do the actions leading to these statements really reveal Jesus's actual purpose as indicated on day one? Jesus's purpose was to give his life as a ransom for many, says that in Mark 10, 45. But of course, to understand that would require an understanding of the nature of God, the nature of man, the divine nature of Jesus and the problem of sin, none of which he gets us had even come close to addressing by this point. So they had to resort to these fully earthly kinds of views of why he was here to grieve with us and understand us. So instead, they offer people yet again more confirmation that Jesus simply gets us. Plan three is called Questions Jesus Asked. It's a seven-day plan, and this one just seems disconnected from the other plans, rather than being on some kind of trajectory like digging even deeper. It features a set of questions Jesus asked people with answers showing his character, but no, still not his divine nature. There's again a dig at religious leaders. They say, quote, the cancel campaign began in Jerusalem, where the jealous, paranoid religious leader set a plot in motion to kill Jesus, and they wouldn't quit until he hung dead on a cross, end quote. Now, notably, this is the first plan where the verses themselves start referring to Jesus as something more than a human. It's also the first time the devotional content casually references Jesus doing something supernatural. So day five talks about him walking on water. However, there is zero explanatory transition from human Jesus to Jesus as God here. So someone who didn't know that the Bible teaches Jesus as God could be forgiven for scratching their heads at how this human was now walking on water. Despite this strange jump, I thought they were going to bring home the good news when they said, quote, but Jesus offers love not because we measure up, because of who he is. On that day, she chose to believe Jesus was who he said he was, end quote. 
And then somewhat inexplicably, they don't go on to say who Jesus said he was. Not only that, but they don't get to it until the plan after the next one. Okay, so plan four, the next one, is called Who Did Jesus Love? This is a nine-day plan. Okay, plans four and five are so different from everything else in the entire He Gets Us campaign that it seems like they hired a committed Christian to insert this content to make the well-meaning funders, who presumably want people to know about the true Jesus, giving the benefit of the doubt here, happy. I realize that sounds cynical, but it's a jarring difference. In plan four, we read verses now where Jesus is proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease. It's a clearly supernatural Jesus. Day two says, the person we despise, he loved, and not for anything they did to deserve it because of who he was. And that comes with verses about salvation and how the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We read that Mary knew Jesus's birth was far from quote unquote natural. We see a doubting Thomas who wanted to personally experience the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. And we read the gospel in John three sixteen. So if people see an ad, go to the site, sign up for a Bible reading plan and make it to day four or plan four rather, they will find a supernatural savior buried under the rest of the campaign. Granted, you could theoretically start with plan four, but I'm guessing most people start with plan one. Well, that brings us to plan five. Who did Jesus say he was? Nine days. This is the plan that really brings home what they should have been bringing home all along. Day one says this, not only does he get us, he wants us to get him. Yes, this is what we have all been wanting them to say all along. At long last, they make this connection. It's buried under all the rubble of ads and the website and other plans and other days of plans. But here they finally do it. They go on to teach the full Jesus in this plan. Again, it's so different in nature and even in language that it really feels like they brought in someone to insert the quote-unquote theological content after the progressive Christians on staff developed everything else. That's just a conjecture, but that is certainly how it reads. Day 7 in particular brings the whole message home, laying out the gospel and exclusivity of Jesus, and it encourages people to pray. Well, there are still two plans after this. So it's interesting how they use those two plans because it certainly doesn't further the understanding. Plan six is called Jesus and Joy. It's four days. It's just a short plan focused on the subject of joy. And there's really little here of interest other than another passing criticism of religious leaders. They say, quote, religious guys seem to love following Jesus around town. Could you imagine being the popular guy in a town that stirred up the kind of noise that very religious people hated? That was Jesus, end quote. So another dig at religious people. All right, the final plan, plan seven, is called What Jesus Gave Up, and this is six days. This one focuses on how Jesus was, quote, after a different way of living, end quote. Unfortunately, the plan reverts to a primarily human Jesus. For example, it lists four days Jesus spent his life on earth and changed, four ways, rather, that Jesus spent his life on earth and changed history. One, Jesus taught another way. Two, he served Three, he forgave, and the description of this only includes human forgiveness of others, not his divine forgiveness. And four, he loved. It leaves out the most important reason why he changed history. He was God incarnate. On the final day, titled, He Gave Up Vengeance, it says, quote, the reality of what was happening was not lost on him, and nothing about it surprised him. Jesus was determined to accomplish what he came to do, and he did, end quote. And then that's the end. <laughs> There's no explanation about what he accomplished. Now, to be clear, they did explain that in plan five, but the plans seem to be written independently of one another because there is some redundancy between them. So a reader wouldn't necessarily have been through plan five to know what they're talking about here. So it's really just odd. Well, here's the bottom line on the reading plans. 
the bottom line is that the plans range from problematic, so more social justice framing, to some basic Bible content, for example, on joy, to some actual theological meat on what was left out of everything else on who Jesus is in plans four and five. If someone actually makes it to plans four and five, they'll hear the gospel. Well, that brings me to the final point, number four. Does the He Gets This campaign direct people to theologically solid churches for continuing their search for truth? When people become interested in learning more about Jesus, they're directed to a Connect page. One of my most significant concerns with the campaign last year was that there was no clear theological vetting of churches to which people were being sent. I do not see any updates or information on the current site as to the criteria they're using to select church prospects. As I explain in my book, Faithfully Different, 65% of Americans identify as Christians today, while only about 6% have a worldview consistent with what the Bible teaches. And research has also shown that a dismal percent of pastors have a biblical worldview. So if you have no theological criteria for where you're sending people, you're actually more likely than not, based on the statistics, to be sending them to a church whose teachings don't line up with those of the Bible. In other words, you're sending unsuspecting truth seekers to places where they won't hear truth. Now, perhaps they've tightened up their criteria but aren't explicitly saying that on the site. I don't know. I'll be happy to update my comments if somebody from the campaign wants to reach out and contact me. In conclusion, I want to say that I'm sure there is good that will come from the campaign. I hope that there is much good that comes from it, and I know God can make good come from anything he chooses. But those aren't reasons to not be discerning. I find it highly discouraging that when there is so much money being poured into a campaign, it's being used to further the perception that Jesus is the same Jesus people already believe in rather than the one they need to believe in. Promoting a social justice Jesus can actually make talking about the real Jesus more difficult because he gets us has placed one more data point in people's minds that it's his followers who talk about all that unpopular stuff who don't get it. They'll come away knowing Jesus gets them, but they won't get him. Let's just hope a lot of people get to Bible reading plans four and five and too much damage has not already been done. All right, that's it for today, you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for considering this campaign a little more deeply. I know that people have different views on it, but I think, I hope that I have provided a pretty strong case here for having some concerns. And as Stetzer pointed out in the interview that he did on Think Biblically, even if you don't like the campaign, use it as a chance to talk about Jesus. I don't think that justifies the campaign and the concerns that I have about it in any way, but it's going to be out there. People are going to be talking about it after the Super Bowl ads, um, and they said that they're just going to continue rolling this campaign out at a bigger and bigger level. So it's not going away. So when you do see it and when you have people talking about this, take the opportunity to share about the real Jesus. Take the opportunity to maybe share what you agree with or don't agree with in the campaign and help people to explore who Jesus actually was. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you take a minute to write a review, the podcast on your player, I'd really appreciate it. It helps more people learn about it. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.